Happy New Year and go ahead and have a seat. It's great to see everyone. I don't know about you, it's always exciting to experience a new year. This time last year, many were alive. And as we gather here this morning, they are no longer on this earth. Truth be told, every day you and I wake up and experience a new day and experience a new blessing from God, it ought to be a day of thanksgiving. Amen? And so I'd like for us to put our hands together for the Almighty that has allowed us to see a new year. You know, he's a good God. He's always been a good God. As a matter of fact, let's go to him in prayer at this time. Our Father who is in heaven, the great and awesome God, the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. Father, we magnify your name, we glorify your name, for you being the Almighty. Father, you spoke this word out of nothing. Father, we look forward to the incredible things you're going to do in our individual lives this year and in our church. I pray, Lord, that every day we will continue to transform us into the image of your son, Jesus. I pray, Father, you will never allow us to get comfortable in this fallen world. But instead, every day we will look forward to the incredible inheritance that we have and that we're looking forward to. Father, bless us now this morning as I preach your word. I pray, Lord, that uh, you will lift up our spirits. You would inspire us about, as I talk about our theme for the year 2023. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. Please accept our thanksgiving and our worship. We ask and pray all this in the mighty and holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Again, if you're visiting with us this morning, welcome. We are the New York City Church of Christ. We are the Brooklyn region. We are one of 11 regions all over New York and New Jersey. And we're thankful that you've decided to come begin the year with us. Amen. I'm just going to get right into my lesson because I have a lot to say this morning. In Philippians chapter 3, in verse 10, in the NIV it says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. In another version it says, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from the dead. Here's another version in the Amplified. And this, so that I may know him, experientially becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, and in that way, experience the power of his resurrection 
which overflows and is active in believers. And that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings by being continually conformed inwardly into his likeness, even to his death, dying as he did, so that I may attain to the resurrection that will raise me from the dead. Amen? I'm going to give you one more. It says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Brothers and sisters, our theme for 2023 in Brooklyn for this year is this passage I just read. I want to know Christ. You know what's very interesting about this is when Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi, you and I know that he wrote several letters to the churches from prison, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. And if you go read the whole thing, starting in chapter 3, he's talking about how he grew up. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. And he says, you know what? All that stuff, my background and my heritage, I consider rubbish. He now goes on to say, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, sharing in his sufferings, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul, at this point when he wrote this, depending on the year he was converted in Acts chapter 9, he was already a Christian about 25 years when he said, I, I, I want to know Christ. Even after 25 years of being a Christian, he didn't think he had arrived. He didn't think we, he, he knew it all. And remember, Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. This guy used to terrorize Christians. And 25 years later, even as he continued to plant churches and continued to preach the word, his mind said it, I want to know Christ. And this is what I want our theme to be this year, brothers and sisters. Paul's goal, Paul's objective was to know the person. The object determines the nature of the knowledge. When you, get, when you and I get to know Jesus more intimately, not just in name only, it will change your life. We're talking about getting to know the person that God used to create this world out of nothing. The great I am. The person that we're going to start looking intimately into in a few weeks when we, read, when we study our revelation. I hope you've been inviting your friends. Gordon Ferguson is going to break it down for us. Amen? 
And if you read Revelation chapter 1, I'm digressing. This is not in my notes. This is the Holy Spirit. Jesus appeared to John the Apostle while he was on the island of Patmos. So much so he shrunk down. And we're given a description of him in Revelation chapter 1. Talking about how his face shone like the sun. One day we get to experience that. That is the Jesus that we need to get to know intimately. Amen? And so, my prayer for all of us individually and as a church is that we will get in there and get to know this God like we have never done before. You see, you know that the, what the person does and how they react to different situations when you really get to know them. Obviously, you must be on speaking terms with the person. And Jesus is on speaking terms with every last one of us. Amen? But you see, our mindset this year, I believe, needs to go be, I want to really get to know this God. And I want to get to know God a lot deeper. And so I'm asking us, even as we begin this morning, what are you willing to implement this year in your personal life to see this become a reality? It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take dedication. I love the passage that the Conklins learned in the beginning when they welcomed us. I had no idea what they were going to read. It says, God has awesome plans for us to prosper us and not to harm us. But there's a qualifier before and after. The passage just read. The qualifier before that you get to that Jeremiah 29, 11 is about repentance. And God was saying to those guys back then, when you, when you repent, then I will prosper you. And then the condition afterwards in terms of you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Not some of it. Not 75%, we're talking 100%. Then we get to experience these things, amen? And so I want to encourage us to get ready. To really know God like we've never done before. Now the truth of the matter is, it goes on to say, you know what? I want to share in his sufferings. I don't know about you, I don't like to suffer. I don't do pain. I don't do pain. When I was 17 years old, I don't know if I shared this story, but I'll share it again. I was on my way home. I was in a boarding school. I had just been made a prefect. And uh, I was on my, on my way home to visit my mom. And I fell asleep in the school bus with my hand sticking out. And a bus hit my hand from the outside. And there were a lot of, you know, what I consider back then, Younger people, younger boys in the, uh, on the bus. And so I, I couldn't cry. I was just... Fortunately for me, I got home. There was an aunt of mine who was actually a nurse. So she took me to the emergency room. She got in there and they gave me some jab. All of a sudden, all the pain went away. That was morphine. I had no idea what it was. I was like, wow, what is, whatever they just gave me, are, are you going to give me some when I'm leaving for home? But I don't do pain. You'll probably like me too. I, I, you know, I don't like pain. But it says, it says in here that we also need to have the attitude of sharing in his sufferings. 
Now, Jesus suffered, not because he was in sin, but he suffered because of our sin. Are you with me? And so, you and I live in a fallen world. This world is messed up. I mean, all you need to do every day is just turn the TV on. We live in a fallen world. We're suffering. You may have suffered stuff in your past. You may still be suffering stuff, even right now. I got another phone call yesterday. A brother that, you know, I know very well, and I saw his name, and I was like, uh-oh. I hope he's not calling me to say his mom has passed away, who is also a Christian. And that wasn't the news. He said, you know, Richard, I was just diagnosed with, with prostate cancer. And somebody told me that you battled this for several years, and I just wanted to talk to you. I said, absolutely. And we spoke for like 40 minutes. It's tough to suffer. You know, we all grew up differently. We all grew up um, in this world. And some of us, we've suffered some very traumatic events in our past, including me. And I think every day and every month as we go forward, and that's one of the things I love about being in the family of God, we need to be there for each other. We need to, we need to listen. We need to empathize. And in some cases, we, 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 we may need to encourage each other to go get professional help. Amen? We're not, we're not meant to suffer alone. My Bible tells me that carry one another's burdens. Amen? But we are going to encounter suffering in this world. That's one of the biggest things that you know, a lot, of, a lot of people who claim to be atheists and agnostics, they'll say, you know what, how can a loving God allow this kind of suffering to go on? And I try to explain to them that we live in a fallen world. That God is not the one responsible for the, all this mess. It's the devil. Amen? But we need to be there for one another, even as we experience the sufferings of Christ together. Amen, church? I want to make two quick points. And then I'll sit down and I have to go back and, and go to Staten Island and preach this same message. So pray for me. Number one, knowing Christ better is a lifelong process. You've heard the expression, Rome wasn't built in a day. The same thing with us. Becoming more like Jesus is a process. And guess what? It's going to take our entire lives for that to happen. Amen. You see, when you and I got baptized, and I've been a Christian now 36 years, all of a sudden, yes, God wiped off all our sins. But all my character flaws were still in there. I went into the water with it, and I came up with it. Okay? I'm an introvert. I'm a very quiet person. I'll be the one sitting in the corner, not talking to anybody. Other people coming to say hi to me. I'm still very shy in a lot of ways. But fast forward, 36 years later, when I tell people that, they don't believe me. But it's the process, it's the transformation into the image of Jesus. Because I learned very early, hey, Richard, you just can't be by yourself. You can't be an introvert. That when you see other people, you need to get out of yourself. You need to become an extrovert. You need to open your mouth. People are not going to bite you. 
I said, really? Okay, I can do this. Hi, my name is so-so-and-so. Are you with me? It's a process where you and I are being transformed into the image of Jesus. You notice how Jesus always had people around him? Because he was God. And that's what you and I are being transformed into. Into his image. But it's a lifelong process. And God will continue to walk through his spirit that lives inside of us. Are you with me? In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. When you and I got converted, God forgave all of our sins. God destroyed the sinful nature inside of us and deposited his Holy Spirit. The same spirit by which he used to create this universe out of nothing inside of you. Okay? That's amazing to me. We talked about the Holy Spirit, you know, in a bunch of lessons. Was it last year or the year before? I can't, I can't remember. Everything is going by so quickly. But it's online. You can go listen to it. All right? Are you going to allow that spirit that's inside of you transform you and draw you closer to this God? Or are you going to grieve the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit will never force you to do anything. Are you with me? We got to give him permission. Allow him to guide us and to transform us. He says, his divine power. We have everything we need for life and godliness. Even in this fallen world. Amen? And that's why you and I can face anything that we confront any single day. Because God is with us and God is in us. Amen? The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Amen? Now watch this. For this reason, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul writes, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray, watch this, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, watch this, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Then in verse 20 it says, Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. This is another letter that the Apostle Paul wrote from prison. But look at his prayer for the Ephesians. First of all, says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. 
That word Greek, excuse me, that word power in the Greek is dunamis. D-U-N-A-M-I-S. Is the root word for our dynamite. That's where it comes from. Okay? So every time you see power, we're talking about incredible power. Okay? He says, with dunamis, through his spirit. He says, that you and I may, be, may have this power, dunamis, together with all the saints, for you and I to be able to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. As a matter of fact, I'll do you one better. He says, that love surpasses knowledge. That's incredible to me. Notice, he didn't pray for them to have any material stuff. And don't, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong in praying for material things. Okay? We all need to eat. We all need to sleep. We all need to get clothes. There's nothing wrong in asking for those things. All I'm saying is, let's make sure that our prayers are not consumed by just the things of this world. I want to encourage us as a church to start praying this every day. Father, show me your love. Help me to understand how deep your love is. Help me to understand how high your love is. Help me to understand how wide your love is for me. And you watch what the Holy Spirit does. Amen? Pray this prayer. Start praying this prayer. We're talking about knowing God better. Paul's prayer was that they may know God. That they may know Jesus. That they may know this God better. Remember that this world we, you and I live in is very temporary. I read somewhere that our whole existence on this earth compared to eternity is like two minutes. I mean, that's amazing to me. Our entire existence on this earth, some of us will get 60, some of us will get 70, 80, 90, 100. All of it is two minutes compared to eternity. Many years ago, I saw this clip of Muhammad Ali. Maybe one of these days I'll get to show it to you. And uh, he was being interviewed, I think he was in England at the time. He was a young man. And uh, they were asking him, how do you define eternity? And he goes, you know what? He says, you've heard of the Sahara Desert. He's talking to an audience. And uh, he says, you go into the Sahara Desert, huge vast of land in Africa. You take a grain of sand, one. You come back to America, drop it. In America. Then wait a thousand years. Then go back to the Sahara. Take another grain of sand. And bring it back. Wait another thousand years. To go pick up the next one. He says how long will it take you. To transfer all that sand in the Sahara desert. To America. He said that's eternity. And I thought wow. That makes a lot of sense. I know it's on my computer somewhere. I'm going to show it to you one of these days. Eternity is a long time. That is where you and I are headed. To meet this God. To meet Jesus. To meet others that we read about in the scriptures. And that's why, no matter what happens to us in this earth, remember it's about two minutes compared to eternity. You can't let that throw you off. You can't let that throw you off your game. You got to keep your focus on the finish line. You got to keep your focus on eternity. You got to keep your focus on knowing Christ. 
And every single day, every single month, every single year, God continues to transform us into the image of his son. And then one day, when your job on this earth is done, when mine is done, you're not going to wake up on this side of eternity. Okay? I just don't know what day that is. And then you're going to wake up on the other side. And you are, I promise you, these two minutes, quote unquote, in this world, you're not going to even remember all this mess. Because in terms of what we're about to encounter. Are you with me, church? And so it's about the love of Christ. It's about knowing this God deeper. And so very quickly, you know, I'd like for us to work on these things, all these, these spiritual disciplines this year. Individually. Having deep personal Bible study. One of the reasons why I, I deliberately put up four different versions of Philippians 3.10, because it sounds different depending on the version you're, you're reading. And so I want to encourage you to read the Bible from start to finish in a different version this year. Yes, the NIV says, I want to know Christ. I think it was the CSB that says, my goal is to know Christ. Same thing. But I like the fact that he uses the word goal. Are you with me? And so I want to encourage you, get into your Bible. Read it in a different version. Also, be praying and be fasting. One of the things I used to do many years ago was uh, I would have an all-night prayer by myself. And I would do it once every quarter. I want to get back to that this year. Where once every three months, I'm praying all night. Oh, I, I get very charged up. I love it. Because while everybody's sleeping, I'm talking to the Almighty. I got his attention. Obviously, I'm praying for us. I'm praying for a lot of people. I'm praying for so many different things. But it's exciting. If you've never spent the entire night praying, I encourage you to try it out this year. You say, I can't do this by myself. Well, you know, uh, call somebody and you, you guys can do it together. Amen? When you're falling asleep, they can, hey, wake up, wake up. Don't go to sleep. Don't, don't go to sleep. Mm -mm. And you, you break down every hour. There's a way to do it. Okay? If you ask me, I'll tell you how to do it. But the, the whole idea is drawing closer to God. The same thing goes for fasting. You say, I've never fasted before. Okay, start with one day. Fast from sunrise to sundown. And then break the fast. But get into these spiritual disciplines. Get to know, close, get to know your God better. I also believe that all of us need to identify the lies we believe about, about ourselves. Remember, Satan is a liar. He's also called the accuser. And we need, to, we need to sit down and ask ourselves, what, what lies of Satan have we bought into? Because you and I were God's children. I would rather listen and know what God says about me. I'm not going to listen to the liar. Amen? It's not possible. We're also talking about changing from the inside out. That's what the Bible talks about. My phone is actually ringing on the stage right now. I've been getting this, uh, what do you call them, Market, marketing calls. I get like 10 of them a day. Now, this is the first time this is happening during church. One, it already happened earlier this, this morning. It's like, maybe I need to answer and say, hey, I'm at church. I'm, a pre I'm preaching. <laughs> this is from Alexander City, Alabama. Okay, let me just cut that off. Maybe you're experiencing the same thing. But anyway, where was I? Now, that thing threw me off. We're talking about believing what God says about us 
Instead of what? Instead of believing the lies that the devil tries to feed us every day. Amen? We're talking about pursuing righteousness. We're talking about overcoming bad habits. Amen? This is the year to change those things. Amen? Amen, church? But you got to go after it. Very quickly, my second point. In knowing Christ better, it will not be easy. It will not be easy. It will not be easy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 3, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power, dunamis, to demolish strongholds. Amen? You have that power living inside of you as a Christian. I have that power living inside of me as a Christian. Where you can ask God for things. My Bible says, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now that's one passage. But remember, there are so many passages that talk about prayer. The one, I love, one of the ones I love the most talks about, and if we ask him anything according to his will, he hears us. Amen, church? And so, it's exciting to know that God is not going to answer all my prayers today in the affirmative. If he did that, there will be nothing to look forward to next week. And here I am, 36 years old as a Christian. I want him to answer some prayers when I'm 40 years old as a Christian. I want him to answer some prayers when I'm 45 years old as a Christian, as I make my way towards him. That is the way I view getting older. That is the way I view every single day. It's one day closer to my creator. Oh, you didn't hear me. One day closer to the great I am. To the God who calls things that are not as though they were. That's why I said, bring it on. I love the fact that I'm getting older. Because I'm getting closer to God. Amen? You know, I used to be a young, I used to be a young man. A very handsome young man. I think I'm still handsome. At least my wife tells me that. My, my hair is growing, but that's okay. I love being young. But now I am older. But my scripture says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Or their children begging for bread. Amen? So God is with us. God is with you. God is in you. You have divine power inside of you that will demolish whatever stronghold you're asking, you asking God to do. Amen? You know, I, I love this time of the year because, again, I get to reflect on all the wonderful things God did last year. And I lay before him all the things I want him to do in my life and my family's life and our church and, you know, people in Africa and all over the world. I mean, I just, I just love it. And I still remember standing here asking you guys to pray for us. 
to find a place to buy in Brooklyn. What I did not tell you was as we are making all these inquiries and trying to buy a house, and we had four months before our lease was due. And I wasn't going to pay the ridiculous rent the landlord was, was asking for. And then God put me on my back for two weeks with COVID. We went to Orlando, came back. My wife was on her back with COVID for another two weeks. So you, we went from four months to three months. Would you believe that God found us that place in two and a half months? When people are told, you want to buy a house in Brooklyn in three months, it's not possible. It's not going to happen. But you see, I know God knows what he's doing. Amen? And you guys joined us in prayer. I took my case to him. I always take my case to the highest authority. I, I, don't, I, don't, mess with, I don't mess with middlemen. I'm going straight to the top. You need to go straight to the top. Amen? That's what we're talking about here. I always take my case to him. Amen? And so whatever it is you want, if it's according to his will, you will get it. Amen? Again, there are, other, there are so many other passages that talk about you never give up on your prayers. There are prayers I've been praying now for 36 years. He hasn't answered me yet. There are members of my family that I'm praying for to become Christians. He hasn't done it yet. And I'm praying that, Father, please do it this year. Amen? And so, again, Luke 18 is in the Bible for a reason. You don't give up on your prayers. You keep on bothering him. And the day is going to come when he's going to answer that prayer. And then you're going to give him the glory. Amen? But you and I have divine power to demolish strongholds. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, I didn't put the passage up, but I'm going to read it. And I'll sit down and be quiet. For now. In Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Dunamis. There's that word again. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, brothers and sisters, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, verse 14, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, watch this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in all, excuse me, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Paul is reminding them here that you know what? Our battle is not against flesh and blood. 
You've heard me say before, and I'll say it again this morning. The enemies can see you. They can see me. They can see us. We can't see them. That's what we're up against. And so, you know, instead of getting upset with your spouse or your co-worker or your friend or your neighbor or whatever, that, that's not who your battle is with. Open up your eyes and see the spiritual battle that you're in. And then it gives us, it tells us several things we need to do. In other words, to put on this armor. We need to sing that song, by the way, very soon. Soldiers of Christ arise and put your armor on. Amen? Maybe we can sing it next week. We got to put the armor on. He says we need to be strong. He says put on the full armor of God. He says that twice. Then he says take your stand in verse 11. Stand your ground in verse 13. And then in verse 16, take up the shield of faith. You know, this is a, an example of a, a Trojan shield. Some of you remember the movie Troy? Brad Pitt. Ooh, I love that movie. If you haven't watched it, you need to go watch it. If you haven't watched it in a while, you need to go watch it again. I love those old, kind of old movies. All those battle scenes, I, I just love them. You know? But this is what a Trojan shield looks like. And there was a point in, in that movie, if you remember, when they all, they all came together and they put all their shields together. The same thing is true spiritually. You know, when you're by yourself, it's a lot harder to, for you to fight the enemy. And that's why he ends that prayer, that section of scripture by saying, pray for one another. Amen? You know, there are several people in our church right now, they're, they're going through different ailments, and we need, to be keep, we need to keep them in prayer. When you get that, you know, email blast, say, pray for so-and-so, so. don't just overlook that. Take the time, even if it's two minutes, pray for that person. God hears it. Amen? I mean, this young man that they had to resuscitate twice on Monday night. I wasn't watching the game. The whole nation has been praying for him. And guess what? God heard those prayers. Amen? He's still in hospital. He's still in critical condition, but he's talking now. As a matter of fact, I read during the week when he woke up, the first thing he asked the doctor, he said, can you give me something to ride with? Because the two were still in the story. He couldn't talk. And he was asking, who won? Did we win? Did, who won the game? That's what he wanted to know. And I believe the following day, he was able to FaceTime with his teammates and went like this. I couldn't help but cry. I said, God, you're good. Amen. Prayer is powerful, very powerful, dunamis, divine dunamis to demolish strongholds. Amen? That's what we're talking about. But it says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You remember Gladiator? And movies like that, where these guys would take their arrows and light it up. And then shoot it up against the enemy. Arrow 
arrows will kill you if they pierce you. Flaming arrows is something else. But see how God describes it. We're talking about the enemy. He says, you and I need to take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows. Not just some of them. All of them. You know, in John 10.10, 10, the Bible says that Satan's job is to kill, excuse me, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Again, if you remember those movies where when, when these guys, you know, excuse me, um, start shooting their flaming arrows, the enemy's toast. But I mean, how, how do you run from this? And in some of the scenes, depending on the movie, overnight they will go pour tar on the battlefield. And so when these guys start firing these arrows, all of a sudden, the grass just lights up. There is no way to escape this. And I put this up here because this is what the devil is trying to do to you every single day. Are you going to get on your knees and fight? And beg God to protect you? To shield you? To walk with you? To be with you? The devil is out to destroy you. The devil is out to destroy me. Amen? But you know what? With God on our side, we know how this story ends. Are you with me? We know how this story ends. We know who's going to win this battle. The battle is already won. But we have to wait to experience it. But it's still a battle nonetheless. Not just some. It says, take up the shield of faith by which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's exciting to me. To know that God is on my side. To know that God is on your side. To know that God is on our, on our side collectively. Amen? And Satan will keep on trying. To destroy you. To destroy your family. To destroy me. To destroy our church. But one of the things that encourages me is the passage in Matthew 16 where it talks about when, when Jesus told Peter, and you are Peter, you are rock, Petra, Petro, and on you I will build this church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It's not possible. Amen? You're going to see it very soon, in the next few weeks, when Gordon gets to Revelation 12, where we, we see a glimpse of the war, the battle that was fought, way big. It doesn't tell us when. He didn't fight God. He fought against Michael. Satan is not equal to God. Satan is a created being. Okay? But he lost that battle and they tossed him down with his angels. And that's what this world is, this messed up world is all about. But God in his mercy is going to create a new heaven, a new Jerusalem. The city with 12 foundations. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. A place where there will be no sin, no devil, no crime, no death. Where everything will be new every single day. Oh, man, you, you got to hang in there. It's not going to be easy. That's why this life is not easy. It's a fight. 
But you are fighting for, the, for your soul, for the souls of your loved ones. You're, you're fighting for the soul of this church. That's, I'm doing the same thing. You got to hang in there no matter what. Amen? We got to put our shields together. Defense works, back, it works better this way. It sure does. Back then, you know, the armies that won battles, this was how they used to fight. Again, I remember one day I had first finished preaching, and this brother walks up to me. He goes, have you seen the movie 300? I said, no. He said, oh, you've got to watch it. And the next thing I know, the next Sunday, he goes and buys me the DVD. He says, Richie, you've got to watch this. And I sat there, I put it in, I'm watching it. He's one of those, I go, ouch. Woo! Remember the Nidus? And those Trojans? It was awesome. Okay? This, uh, I found this picture from that movie. I mean, those guys were something else. If you haven't seen that movie, you need to go watch it. But the point is, we got to put our shields together. Amen? We got to fight together. We got to help each other out as we go on this journey. It's not easy. Amen? So whatever it is you're going through, open up to people around you. Help, let them help you. Amen? Chances are whatever it is you're going through, other people have gone through it. And they can help you out. Amen? But we're in this thing together and it's not going to be easy. And so I'm asking us, how well do you know Jesus? I want to encourage you to get into your Bible like you have never done before. Your eternal standing before God depends on it. Don't focus on these two minutes of life. Focus on your eternity. Get to find out about this Jesus for yourself. I grew up believing in God. I grew up going to church. I thought I was a Christian. Until I met a bunch of guys and they said, you know what? Let's find out what the Bible says about how you become a Christian. And the more I read, the more I realized, oh, oh I am in trouble. And I had to humble myself. I had to say, you know what? Now my life makes sense. All these different things I'd seen and I'd learned at different stages. This is what God was leading me to. I was like, wow. Wow, is there anything else that I need to know? Yes, I believed in God. Yes, I went to church on, Saturday, on Sunday morning. But again, like I've said so many times, don't ask me who I was with or what I was doing Saturday night. Okay? Back then, we used to call them discotheque because of the disco lights and everything. These days, they call them a club. I was there, man, boogieing down. And I thought I was a good guy compared to my friends. So, well, I'm not like him. I think I'm better. But I was, I was, I was still a sinner. Sin is sin. And so if you're visiting this morning or you're watching us online, I want to encourage you to get into your Bible Talk to the person that invited you and get into your Bible and find out about this Jesus for yourself. I'm not talking about the Jesus that's preached on television. Be very, very careful. 
Because my Bible tells me that even Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Jesus said it best. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, hey, Lord, we did this in your name. We did this in your name. We prophesied in your name. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So I'm asking, how did you become a Christian? Let's compare it to what the Bible teaches. That's all it is. I had to swallow my pride. Now I can sit here and go, yeah, I'm a Christian. Or I can say, you know what? I have never done this. I have never said Jesus is Lord. When I came to this country in 1980, I vowed never to go back to Africa. I was going to come here, get a great education, make a ton of money, become a multi, multi-millionaire, and yes, I'll go visit, but that was it for me. And I remember studying the Bible. And Jesus saying, if you don't give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. That was my biggest cost. But I counted that thing in less than 24 hours. Because I realized, what good is it? Like Jesus says, if you gain the whole world and you forfeit your soul. I said, forget this. So much so. That if God wanted me to give all this stuff up and become a preacher, a poor preacher for that matter, because there's no money in my pocket. Okay? That if God wanted me to give all this stuff up, would I be willing to do it? And I did. My friends, my family, they thought I lost my mind. Now, praise the Lord. Years later, I converted my father. I converted my sister. I'm still working on my brother. Pray for him. His name is Shegun. It's spelled S-E-G-U-N. Americans pronounce it Sigon. Pray for him. He will make a tremendous Christian. He knows everybody. But I'm still praying for him. But I had to humble myself. And so I'm encouraging you, you know, get into the scriptures. Humble yourself. Do what the Bible says. Don't be afraid. This life is awesome. I can't describe it to you. You've got to experience it yourself. Amen? That's what salvation is all about. And then I'm going to close with this. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. It says... Let not the wise boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises, exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Amen? I got friends that are multi-millionaires. I got friends that actually one is actually a billionaire. I would not trade places with any of them. Not for one second. I'm not in want. I have everything I need. Amen? Besides, what good is it? You know, you, you make all this money. You're not going to take it with you. You can't. 
You can try. But my Bible tells me as a Christian, you can pay it on ahead. Oh, that's a different day, different song. Don't get me started. Amen? But it says here, don't boast about your wisdom, but don't boast that, you know, about your strength. But if you're going to boast, here's what you boast about. That you understand and know God. Amen? I pray that all of us will be able to say this this year. Because we serve a mighty, mighty God. And so church, I, I want to encourage you to get ready. God is going to show you stuff this year that you never thought of seeing. God is going to take us places this year we never thought of going. Amen? Because he's our shepherd and we are the sheep of his pasture. The people under his care. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for sending your son into this world. Father, we want to know you and the power of your resurrection. Father, we know that our lives on this earth is very temporary. Father, forgive us for the times we've been distracted by the things of this world. And we've gotten down through different things. Father, help us to, re to realize that this life is a journey. That Jesus, yes, he suffered. But he made it till the very end. And he, he never gave up. I pray, Father, you will never let us give up. But I pray daily you will continue to transform us into the image of your son. We thank you for him dying on the cross for us. Thank you, Father, for his body that was broken on our behalf. Thank you, Father, for his blood that was shed so that one day we get to see your lovely and wonderful and majestic face. Father, until then, keep us safe, keep us holy, keep, protect us by the power of your, of your spirit. I pray you help us to take up the shield of faith by which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Father, we love you more than life itself. We ask and we pray all this in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen.